coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. Number one is behavior, behavior of the executive team, right? I mean, they've got to model, they've got to be the role models for the organization, especially when it comes to the core values. So so that's number one. Number two, communication, right? It doesn't happen overnight. You can't just say these are our core values and this is what it's going to be, right? And and expect people to just say, oh, great, great, let's do this, you know, and then I I get it. No, it's got to be, there's going to be a series of communications to let employees know what they are, let them know what it means, let them know what behaviors are associated. Let them give them examples of how those values are used, you know, quote unquote, in real life, right? How do you expect me to use this information to make a decision or to design a product or to interact with a customer? So give examples. Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, Episode 11. This episode's interesting fact is, it takes 12 positive experiences to make up for one unresolved negative experience. Well, today's guest can probably vouch for this. Annette Franz is CEO of CX Journey, Inc., a boutique consulting firm specializing in helping clients ground and frame their customer experience strategies. Her passion lies in teaching companies about customer experience and helping them understand the importance of the employee experience to a great customer experience. She has 25 years of experience in the CX space and has been recognized as one of the 100 most influential tech women on Twitter by Business Insider and by several other organizations as a top influencer in customer experience. Annette, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I know we've had some struggles in terms of getting to this point in in the schedule, in our schedules, both of our schedules. So thank you for that. I appreciate you having me on, on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. And I think that that probably just reflects how busy you are in the work that you do. Um, but it's interesting because as I was reading the bio, I think I triggered that I believe we met initially on Twitter, yes. if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Certainly somewhere in social media in that in that stratosphere. And uh, I can say that uh, I've enjoyed very much consuming your content and getting to know you better in that way. But I'm really excited about our conversation today because there's no substitute, as you know, for the direct conversation. And um, because of the expertise that you bring to what we do, uh, to what you do on a daily basis, I think Lead to Succeed Nation is going to gain tremendously from your insight and your expertise. Awesome. Well, thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. And and yes, you know, I've met some awesome people through social media, yourself included. So it's been a, a great uh, channel to, you know, really spread the network and learn from others and um, just meet people, just meet more people who have your know, like-minded who are going through the same challenges and, and sharing best practices and sharing learning. So now it's been awesome. You know, I wasn't going to ask you this, but because we sort of got into that, I'll stay with that for a minute if I can. And, and I wanted to ask you then, based off of what you just said, since you are in the customer experience space, and we are going to have to define that because I have a feeling some people like me are not quite sure how customer experience is different from customer service. So we'll, I'd like to table that for just a moment. But what is your sense when you're talking about engaging with people via whether it's social media or other technological platforms, as opposed to what we might call the more 
conventional or traditional types of communication and engagement. Yep. Uh, what differences do you see between the two, Annette? And, um, and how can someone who is trying to grow their network, uh, find new clients, really build their business, how can they find the right balance between using each approach successfully? Any pointers there? Yeah, well, you know, it's there's nothing like, you know, meeting people in real life and face to face. But, you know, we're all so spread out and all over the place that, you know, social media has just been a great platform to facilitate, like I just said earlier, you know, meeting some smart, like minded people and, and connecting with potential clients and those kinds of things. So and I think from just real briefly from the customer experience perspective and, you know, with companies being able to interact with customers the way that they want to communicate, I think that's been a, a huge plus for um, the experience for being able to provide the service and the support that customers need. And we've seen plenty of examples of, of people who have had an issue who've just, you know, tweeted something or shared something somewhere on social media and gotten immediate responses because it's that it's that everybody finds out about it. It's not just telling your neighbor, it's telling millions of neighbors, right? So, and, and companies don't like that. They don't want to be called out in front of uh, millions of people. So it is certainly a way to get, to get reaction, get response pretty quickly. I was about to jump in and say guilty as charged. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, with air, airlines in particular, yes. airlines in particular are my, um, I don't know why, I just find that between sometimes the shoddy service and, I hope I'm not taking you off track on this, but some companies just make it so difficult to connect with them in the traditional way. You know, finding their their phone number sometimes can just be almost impossible. Yeah, yeah. So I feel almost compelled to sometimes go to, I, I'd rather not air my grievances in public, but I do sometimes find that that's the only way to get their attention. I, you know what, I'm guilty as charged as well. I've had one, I've done it once and it, uh, you know, sad to say it worked and it, it, we shouldn't have to resort to that, right? You know, companies should make it a lot easier to interact with them, to find their phone numbers, you know, just, just the simple, the basics of customer service and the basics of the customer customer experience, but no, they'd rather make it difficult for us. So, um, I hear that. Yeah. Go ahead. What, what else did you want to add to this? I, I forget the second half of your question. It was a good question. too. <laughs> I was, I was really focusing again on, you know, where do you, how do you strike the right balance between the different types of platforms? If you're advising somebody in enhancing a customer experience, how do you, and this might be a slightly different question than what I asked, but it's the same basic direction. You know, how do you advise them to maintain the right, like I said, balance between getting to know them more personally, which of course is much harder to scale and much harder to do when you're, you know, located in one specific area, which everybody naturally is, and and using the broader platforms, the social media, you know, or other technological platforms that allow you to reach people um, more broadly, but typically less deeply. Yeah, I think the short answer to that is to be where your customers are and be where they prefer to be, right? Um, communicate with your customers in in the channel or, or the method in which they prefer to communicate and don't make it difficult for them like we were just saying. I think that you're, you're absolutely right. It is hard to personalize at that level and to scale that personalization. But, you know, technology today and data companies have so much data about their customers that, you know, if you bring it all together and you get it out to the right to the right people who need to use it at the right time, then personalization and becomes a, a much easier, much easier thing to achieve. So, but yeah, I think the bottom line is be where your customers want to be in terms of communication and, and communicate in the methods with which they prefer to communicate. 
Super. So, so how do you find that information out? Is it as simple as saying, oh, this person is 25 years old, so you know, he or she must be a millennial, and therefore, as a result, they must want to communicate via uh, you know, social media? Is it, is it something along those lines, or do you really have to dig much more deeply uh, in order to figure out the demographics and their preferred form of communication? I think you ask. I think that's the bottom line there is to to just ask. We have so many different ways that we communicate with customers and there are so many different opportunities that we have to ask. Is this your preferred method? And and I see some companies doing that, you know, whether it's, you know, when you're first signing up for an account online, if you're shopping or whatever type of account you're setting up, a lot of times they will ask, what is your preferred, you know, snail mail, email, text, phone, whatever. So, so I think that those companies have, are, are, are doing the right thing. It's, it's as simple as just asking. Mm. Okay. So now I need to go back and, and get that clarification. You're obviously a customer experience professional and you lead uh, significantly in that industry. And for the layman like myself, who doesn't really fully understand the difference, uh, are we splitting hairs when we talk about customer experience versus customer service? Or are we talking about really two different types of uh, engagement concepts? Yep. It's a great question to ask. And, and, you know, every time that I speak, like the first couple of slides in my presentations are always, let me first define what customer experience is. And we're not just splitting hairs. They are very two very different things and yet somewhat related. So this is how I define customer experience. It's really the, the sum of all of the interactions that a customer has with a company over the course of the relationship life cycle or over the course of the life of that relationship. And it's not just the interactions, it's also the feelings and the emotions and the perceptions that the customer has about the brand over the course of those interactions. Customer service, on the other hand, is really just one of those interactions, right? It's customer experience is sort of the umbrella um, discipline, right? Customer service falls underneath that. And I always use this quote, this example as a way to differentiate the two. Chris Zane from Zane Cycles, you might be familiar with them, you know, being on the East Coast. Chris defines or, or differentiates the two by saying customer service is what happens when the experience breaks down. So I think that's a great way to uh, differentiate the two. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So give us an example, please, of a company that's done this really well, that has by and large helped people to sort of connect with their brand and do so for extended periods of time. So it's not just, I do it as a teenager or I connect with them in my twenties, but I really have a lifelong connection and it's not simply because they generate or produce great products. You know, I think a lot of the iconic brands come to mind when you think of things like that. You think of companies like Harley Davidson, you know, Um, you think of, I don't know if you put these two in the same bucket, but, you know, even with Starbucks, right. Or with Amazon, it's, it's, they get it right and they deliver such a great experience. And, and even other brands like um, Patagonia or LL Bean or, or some of those other lifestyle type of brands where people feel that connection and they're, they're connected to their purpose. And those connections lead to sort of that lifelong relationship with these brands. And and when you have those kinds of connections, it's hard to break them, right? 
customers have a little bit more, they're a little bit more forgiving in terms of if something goes wrong or something breaks down and they just say, oh, well, you know what? It's okay. I know they'll fix it. I know they'll take care of me. And 99.9% of the time, that's exactly what happens. They get taken care of. And so brands like that, Apple, Zappos, I, you know, if you have companies not been around as long as a lot of the other brands that I mentioned, but they always, um, great service. They always, you know, free returns. They do what they need to do. They'll keep you on the phone and help you with whatever you need help with. They'll send you to a competitor if they don't have what you need. You know, those kinds of things just show that you're building relationships with your customers and not just transactions. Yeah. And I would add, that was awesome. But I, I would add, if I think, tell me if, if this is correct, that we're not just talking about that these companies or brands offer great experiences, yep. which they certainly do. But I find, you mentioned Harley-Davidson in the beginning, so that was what triggered it perhaps more than others, though I don't ride any motorcycle, let alone a Harley. Um, um, but but, but this, I, I, prefer, I prefer four wheels, to be I honest do. with you. Uh, but at the same time, there's a, with Harley in particular, there's like this sense of association. Yes. There's an element of pride. It's like you're part of a tribe. That's right. And maybe less so when it comes to Starbucks and some of the other brands that you mentioned. But I have found... You know, there are a lot of people out there, you know, like for a few years, for example, I, I lived in Atlanta. As you know, that's co-country. Right. You know, they, yeah. there's just, you know, drink Pepsi at your own risk <laughs> when you're living, when you're living in Atlanta. And so, uh, you know, there's an element of pride that people have with everything from a soft drink or a hot beverage to a form of communication or travel or anything of the sort. So how do companies, like you said, I, I get the whole thing about about delivering a great product and providing great service, but how do they get people to really own the brand that they feel that deep sense of connection and association where they wear it as a badge of pride yep. that I have a Harley, I wear this kind of designer's clothing, whatever it might be. One word, purpose. That's really what connects people to a brand oftentimes is the purpose. Um, if you don't have that nailed, if you don't have that communicated, you know, feeling that sense of pride and community is, is really all about, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to achieve the same thing. We're all here for the same cause or for the same reason. And so I believe that a brand's purpose has a lot to do with, with getting to that point, to getting to that iconic state, to having that tribe. Mm. I wasn't going to go here, but I, and, and, and if you don't feel comfortable answering this, that's totally fine. But since you've mentioned purpose, since you mentioned purpose, as I research and continue to learn about, about leadership and, and, and grow in this space, I find that purpose is really so critical for everything from employee engagement to, you know, coming to work every day with a sense of passion, a sense of direction. And in life in general, you know, it really gives so much more put so much more wind behind our sails, I guess you would say. And so as a result, I guess I'm, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts about that specifically? What, when you see the intersection of leadership and purpose, how different is that than people who are leading or engaging without purpose? That's a really interesting question. And I think it's a huge thing. It's, it's a huge thing because if you, again, if you go back to these brands and you go back to, um, where they are and how they got where they are today. And if you look at their leaders and if you look at, you know, I'll throw out another brand, Tom's, for example, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. there's, there's Blake McCoskey. He came to this, you know, business with, with a purpose, right. And everybody else got on board with him. Right. So I think that when a leader displays, a defines that purpose, 
lives and breathes and does everything to achieve that purpose, people want to get on board, right? And that that really affects the employees. It affects uh, it affects their vendors. It affects their customers. It affects everyone around. And, it, and it's either infectious or not, right? <laughs> yes. So. Yes, absolutely. We've had both of those experiences, I would say, yes. many times. <laughs> so so let's stay there because I you know, I don't want to shift to the negative, so to speak, because obviously we talk about purpose. It's it's exciting. It's it's endearing. It it kind of gets you thinking big picture. That's right. But you you see both sides of this, obviously, in your work. And and what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that companies make when dealing with their customers? Unless, of course, you only work with perfect companies. Oh, but I do. I'm not you sure. Know, right? <laughs> those are the companies that need all the help, right? <laughs> well, so I'll I'll start from the top. Since we're talking leadership, I'll start from the top, and I'll just say, you know, it's if your CEO and your executives aren't committed to being customer focused, being customer centric, being customer obsessed, it's not going to happen, right? It's there's no way that the rest of the organization is going to get on board with that. And you know, quite honestly, the CEO and the executives, they're they're the ones who are going to have to approve and deliver on resources, whether that's financial or human or capital, whatever kind of resources that are needed to, you know, design and deliver a great experience. I would also add that, and this again goes back to purpose too, but it's the purpose of being in a business. If these leaders are living the old management philosophy of, you know, the reason that you're in business is to maximize shareholder value rather than saying, hey, listen, the purpose of a business is really to create and to nurture a customer, then that's a problem too. That's that's a mistake. It's a it's a mindset and it's a mindset shift that has to happen um, in order for businesses to do the right thing for customers. I would also say that another mistake that companies make is inside out thinking versus outside in. And what I mean by that is that, again, it's the executives and the leaders making decisions and thinking they know what's best for customers without even asking or listening to customers. Whereas outside in, thinking is bringing in the customer voice, bringing in the understanding of the customer's needs and expectations and what they're trying to do and and incorporating the customer and how what we're doing will impact the customer in every decision that we make. So that's really important. You know, and tied to that is really listening to customers and making sure that you that what they tell us is heard and we act on that. And then finally, the other thing that I would add here, a, a mistake that a lot of companies are making is that employees have to come first. You know, we always say customers first, and we know that we're in business to create and nurture a customer. But if our employees are not happy, if our employees are not satisfied, if they're not engaged, if they're not committed to the purpose of the organization, you know, then that's a problem. And employees are the ones who deliver the customer experience. Absolutely. There's so much gold in this. And I hope Lead to Succeed Nation is taking in all of this as much as I am trying to, as listening, you know, jotting down notes and and really I trying to figure out which way to go because there's so many pieces here. I wanted to ask you then, so let's think of it, let's stay with the leader because you talked a lot about uh, the leader's influence, both in terms of setting the agenda and uh, investing the resources and all these kinds of things. So maybe you already answered this, but let's take it from the perspective specifically of somebody who's just getting started. And they have a lot of things to think about. In my book, Becoming the New Boss was uh, written for the purpose of helping somebody get initiated in, in really any type of leadership role. But 
I don't spend a tremendous amount of time going deep in any one particular area because I'm trying to really provide a broader sense of what people need to be doing. If you could focus based on your expertise, you don't have to focus specifically on customer experience, but if you had 30 minutes with a cup of coffee and a new leader, and you were going to give them some nuggets of, of information, some guidance to really succeed, what would those be? And, 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 and how could you help them really kind of grow quickly into their, into their leadership field? Yep. I would say um, a couple of different things. First of all, I would say, first and foremost, as, as a leader, as a new leader, you need to take care of your people. If you take care of your people, they'll take care of you, right? And and this whole notion of um, servant leadership, it's it's something that I'm really talking a lot with my clients about right now. And it's an important thing, you know, put their needs in front of yours and you're here to make sure that they're successful. And, and if they're successful, you'll be successful as well. So I would say that's the first thing as it relates to customer experience and, and culture transformation and those kinds of things, because uh, let's let's face it. Leaders will need to be focused not just on their employees, but on the re- other components of the business. I think it's really important to make sure that make sure to know their own personal values, but also make sure that you've got your values defined within your organization as well. Core values are a huge piece of you know the culture, right? So culture is values plus behavior, and so those values are things that your people will live and breathe day in and day out as they go about doing their jobs, also as they go about serving your customers. So, and I think the other thing is as a leader is to really, to be, you know, set the strategy and be committed to the journey, right. And, and know what it is that you're trying to do, know what you're trying to achieve, know what your, your outcomes are and just be committed to it. And just know that anything that you're going to do as a leader within the organization, it's a journey <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, and any kind of transformation, any kind of change is not going to happen overnight. You've just got to be committed to it and, um, and, and know that it's going to take some time. Unbelievable. Each one of those is, you know, worth, worth a conversation <laughs> unto itself. I want to stay, I want to stay with the values though, if okay. I can for Absolutely. a second, I write about that in the book and I, I think it's a fascinating concept. If you were advising somebody on how to establish values. I don't know if that's part of the work that you yeah, do. It is. It is. Um, but so so give us give us a couple of, of pointers there. What would you say are really the critical elements in establishing what we'd call core uh, organizational values? Okay. And and how does how does a leader ensure that those values are maintained? Okay, let's start with the first part of it and then come back and remind me about how to make sure they're maintained. That's all. <laughs> so, so in terms of um, defining them and making, you know, setting those values, I like to tell folks to start with your own personal values. This And this is an exercise that happens with the leaders of the organization, whether it's the owners, the co-founders, the core or the key executive team, to take a look at your own personal values and write them out. What are the most important things to you day in and day out. And then I like to ask them once they've defined those values or or written those down is to A, define them and B, to say, what are the behaviors that I can tolerate 
And then what are the behaviors that I cannot tolerate when it comes to each of those values? And I think that starts to set the tone for ultimately what the behaviors are supposed to be or going to be within the organization. And then I take, you know, whatever, however many folks you've got doing this exercise, what, you know, again, the founders, co-founders, the owners, the, the key executive team, you know, a handful of folks. Then I take all of their responses and pull them together and look and see where there are overlaps. And we're hoping that <laughs> we're hoping that there's a good chunk of overlap. We're hoping that as we're making our hiring decisions of our key executives anyways, that we're all sort of on the same page. And, and that's going to be an easy um, outcome there in terms of having some overlap across each person's responses. And, and that's sort of the framework or the start of your core values. And from there, you can then just take them out and send them out and get feedback from your employees if you want to. Or not, you know, it depends on the size of the organization and, and all of that. But I'll pause there before I answer the second half of your question. But just that's usually where I begin when it comes to defining the core values. Yeah, that is great. And I think that it's 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 hopeful that you have people who have similar values yes. already on the same team. Yeah. Although you probably know walking in when you don't. Mm-hmm. And uh and you probably know then when you're gonna have to roll up your sleeves just a little bit more to make sure. Uh, that they, you create greater greater alignment. Exactly. So let's move on to that second part then. How do you then see those values trickling down from the leadership executive teams to the people who are being tasked to maintain them on a daily basis? So I think there's a couple of things. Number one is behavior, behavior of the executive team, right? I mean, they've got to model, they've got to be the role models for the organization, especially when it comes to the core values. So so that's number one. Number two, communication, right? It doesn't happen overnight. You can't just say, these are our core values and this is what it's going to be, right? And and expect people to just say, oh, great, great, let's do this, you know, and then I I get it. No, it's got to be, there's going to be a series of communications to let employees know what they are, let them know what it means, let them know what behaviors are associated. Let them give them examples of how those values are used, you know, quote unquote, in real life, right? How do you expect me to use this information to make a decision or to design a product or to interact with a customer? So give examples. So there's going to be a lot of that. And and when the executives are speaking or communicating with employees, they should always be incorporated into those communications. It's not something that's just going to be a poster on the wall in a conference room, right? It's got to be, they've got to be talked about on a regular basis. The other thing that I think is important is to make sure that they're uh, included in uh, performance reviews, right? So it's the core values are the basis for your performance reviews. So if you're not living and breathing those core values, obviously that's a problem. And then finally, I would say that, you know, as and even going back to as you're defining them, I would ask executives. So if these are our core values, are you prepared to hire, fire and promote against these core values, right? And I think that's an important piece of it because if you're not, then you're really not committed to having that sort of as the soul of your organization. Yes. Oh my goodness. So much there. I really liked, there actually, everything that you said was was fantastic, but the idea of walking your people through scenarios and giving them a chance to discuss them, ideally ahead of time. I write about that in the book, but I think that that's a, a great strategy because not only does it help deepen everybody's understanding of what those values are, but it gives them a chance to practice them in a very, you know, uh, low stakes type of way where they could understand, get the clarity, get the perspective without there being serious repercussions. So I love that strategy and everything else. Keep mining for it, lead to succeed nation. There's so much here. Annette, this has been awesome. Uh, So now we're going to transition 
do a little rapid fire where people are going to get to know you on a slightly different angle, so to speak. Okay. Uh, and so easy, easy questions that hopefully will give us a, a different look into your world. Okay. I'm ready. I have one. I hope that you have one as well. If not, you can <laughs> skip this one. Your favorite comic strip. Oh gosh. Wow. I, you know, I haven't thought about comic strips in a long time, but I would. Uh, I, I was would worried say. about that. <laughs> <laughs> I would mine, say. mine is mine is still Cal- Calvin and Hobbes. That just oh, just give you give you some some context there. Go you ahead. Know, that is an awesome. I love the Far Side. I think that's a great one. Yes, yes, that actually is my second favorite. So good choice. Awesome. A quote that you live by or think about often, and it doesn't have to be verbatim. It's actions speak louder than words. I try personally try to live that one. And, you know, it's one thing that I definitely try to instill in my kids too. And I'll give you an example. When my younger son likes to misbehave, he apologizes. And I say, well, you don't have to apologize. What I need you to do is to change your behavior because actions speak louder than words. If you're, if you change your behavior, then I know you mean it. Right. So, so actions speak louder than words. That's my favorite. Well, well done. On a scale of one to ten, how organized are you? Ten. I uh, well. I, I kind of. I kind of figured that. <laughs> you look at my desk right now, but on a normal day and a normal week, it's a ten. I. I do. I'd say if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't happen. If I don't have a to do list, it doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm folders galore. Yes. <laughs> yes. Got it. Okay. And finally, what kind of books uh, do you like to read, whether professional, personal, or both? Uh, I would say professional, and I have a stack of them sitting here on my desk right now, just waiting to to be read. But uh, every once in a while, I do like to escape to another world and read something that absolutely has nothing to do with anything that I do on a daily basis. So, but for the most part, I would say ninety nine percent of the time, uh, professional. So, Annette, uh, those were great, by the way. Annette, tell us how can Lead to Succeed Nation find out more about your work, connect with you. And, uh, and really maximize from the customer experience work that you have so successfully and skillfully developed over the years. Well, thank you for that. So my website is cx-journey.com. So CX is in customer experience. I am on social media. I'm on Twitter at, at Annette Franz. It's F-R-A-N-Z. And, you know, my contact information is on my website. I've got, you know, I share a lot of resources there as well in terms of other interviews and, and white papers and eBooks and things that I've written as well. So would love to connect with your tribe. It would be awesome. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And Lead to Succeed Nation, as I've mentioned before, definitely get in touch with Annette. As you could tell, uh, some of the questions were sent in advance, full full disclosure over here, but quite a few of them were in the moment. And I think we all were impressed with Annette's ability to respond very cogently and very clearly to all of those questions, which means she has that expertise at her fingertips. So uh, Annette, before you go, leave us please with one final life lesson that all of us can be inspired by. All right, here we go. This is going to be a good one. (laughs) I have no doubt. Ready? All right. It is workout every day. It's, you know, health. There's nothing. uh, Well, there are more important things than your health, your family and everything. But for you personally, your health and your own sanity. So I would that's my tip is to get out, move, go to the gym, do whatever you have to do, but work out every day. It's just a shame we didn't have this conversation five years ago, but 
in the last year or so, I can say I have lived that. And uh, that's an awesome lesson, short, sweet, uh, but very actionable. And yes, everybody, we need to move. We need to exercise. It's great for our mind. It's great for our body. It's great for our spirit. It's great for everything. So Annette, I want to thank you very much for taking the time from your busy schedule. As you mentioned at the beginning, it's been hard to schedule this. So obviously, you know, we both have a lot going on, but really it's been a delight and a pleasure getting to know you better, to listen to your wisdom and to your experiences. And I really hope uh, that everybody will take advantage of the links that we will share in the show notes uh, to get in touch with you, to learn more from you, and hopefully to continue to enhance their leadership as well as their customer experience moving forward. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great, and it's been great to get to know you more as well. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Today's leadership quote is from Harry Selfridge. People will sit up and take notice of you if you will sit up and take notice of what makes them sit up and take notice. I think a perfect connection to what Annette was sharing before. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you could lead to succeed. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Becoming the New Boss on Amazon. Learn more about the book at becomingthenewboss.com. And if you already got your copy, be sure to leave a comment on Amazon. 